what a great crowd we have for this one o'clock service. Amen. It's so good to see each one of you. We have enjoyed a blessed morning. We have enjoyed too much to eat, at least I have. But we thank the ladies and everyone that prepared such a good lunch that we were all able to enjoy and get to spend some extra time together today. Our theme for this meeting is what makes a great congregation. And this morning in our Bible classes, we talked about thankfulness, the expression of a great congregation. At our worship hour, we talked about faithful attendance, the hub of a great congregation. And then at this one o'clock worship service, we're going to talk about forgiveness, the heart of a great congregation. I think you will see as we develop this lesson how important it is, first of all, for us to make sure that we are forgiven by God. And then secondly, for us to make sure that we have a heart that is willing to forgive others. Where would we be without God's forgiveness? We all know the answer to that. We'd be lost, right? And we would be condemned to a devil's hell. None of us want that. God is always ready and willing to forgive. He wants us forgiven so badly that He gave His only begotten Son to die for our sins. God wants to forgive us. He is always ready and willing to forgive us. Obviously, we should be just like Him. We should always be ready and willing to forgive others. Sadly, many struggle with forgiving others. This attitude violates the spirit of Christianity. Carrying grudges will weigh us down and cause us to lose our focus of the purpose of Christ for our lives. On the other hand, a spirit of forgiveness builds strong relationships and makes a congregation special. This is the reason forgiveness is the heart of a great congregation. I want us to begin this afternoon by considering several important facts about forgiveness. Here's our first one. Jesus taught the seriousness of the matter of forgiveness in the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15, he said, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive your trespasses. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now that passage seems to be very simple, doesn't it? It's easy to understand. If we are willing to forgive others, 
then God will forgive us. If we are not willing to forgive others, then God will not forgive us. I've been preaching a long time now. And I want to tell you, when I started preaching, I was really naive about this subject. I was converted right before my senior year in high school. And then eventually I was able to go to Lipscomb and study in their Bible program and was preaching for a congregation before I graduated from there. And then I started preaching in Arab in 1977, 24 years old. And you know, I just thought that everyone in the church forgave one another. I really had that idea. If you're a Christian, God has forgiven you. And so you're going to have a heart like God that's willing and desirous of forgiving others. But you know I've preached for a long time now. And I've seen a lot of unforgiveness in the church. And that greatly disturbs me. Because Jesus said if we're not willing to forgive one another, then He's not going to be willing to forgive us. Now that makes it really serious, doesn't it? I've seen individuals respond to the invitation. And I've seen people walk out the back door because of a grudge that they had against them. Never shook their hand. Never put their arm around them. Continuing to hold a grudge even though that person has a penitent heart. I've seen members of the church Let others die without forgiving them, without having a heart toward them that was one of reconciliation, even though that person may have done everything in their power to make things right with them. I've just seen over the years a lot of people Good people. I'm not talking about bad people. I'm talking about good people. Where something may have happened between them as individuals, something may have happened in their families, and they were just never willing to forgive. Now, am I missing what Jesus said in this passage? I don't think so. <coughs> He said, if I am not willing to forgive another person, then don't expect him to forgive me. That's how serious this matter is. And when attitudes exist like that in congregations, they're never going to be great congregations. They're going to be struggles. There's going to be strife. There's going to be bitterness. There's going to be Hatred. There's going to be discord and turmoil. That's just the way it works. And so when we think about these facts about forgiveness, this is where we need to start. We need to remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6, verses 14 and 15. 
want to take you a little bit further. Jesus illustrated forgiveness with his parable of the unforgiving servant in Matthew 18. This is a lengthy passage, but we need to spend a little time with it. As we talk about forgiveness, the heart of a great congregation. I want us to begin in verse 31, and we're going to read through verse 35. Then came to Peter, excuse me, then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seventy times, but until seventy times seven. Now we know Jesus is not talking about a literal four hundred and ninety times. He's talking about an endless number of times. You ought to always be ready and willing to forgive your brother that sins against you. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. A talent was a measurement of weight. And the value of a talent depends upon what you're weighing. If these are talents of gold, 10,000 talents of gold that this servant owed his master would be worth $11.9 billion in today's standards. If these were talents of silver, these 10,000 talents would convert to around $161 million today. This servant obviously owes more than he could ever pay, ever think about possibly paying. And so he owes 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold. And his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Look at 27. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. A debt he could have not paid in many, many lifetimes. And the Lord just forgave him that debt because he pleaded with the Lord for help. He pleaded with the Lord for his wife and children and all that he had to not be sold. And the Lord had compassion on him. He was moved with compassion. And loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant, don't miss this, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants which owed him an hundred pence or a hundred denarii. A denarii was the payment for one day's labor. So this would be the payment 
for working 100 days. No comparison in money to the 10,000 times. None whatsoever. He owed him a very small debt. But notice what he did. Which owed him a hundred pence, and he laid hands on him, and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet, and besought him, saying, And notice he says the same words. He says the same words that this other man had just said to the Lord. Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. But instead of being moved with compassion, it says that he would not. How many will not forgive? That's awful. That's tragic. It hurts the church so much. It keeps us from being great congregations. And he would not but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desiredest me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? See, a member of the church that's not willing to forgive is a wicked servant. That's what he said. Wicked servant. O thou wicked servant. Verse 32. And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. Now what's Jesus talking about? In this parable, in this story that we can easily relate to. Look at verse 35. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Now that is some serious language, isn't it? And we can see how forgiveness is the heart of a great congregation. People's hearts are based on having compassion on the penitent and forgiving them. Jesus also showed us His forgiving heart but what He prayed on the cross. Luke 23 and verse 34. One of the most famous statements in all the Bible. What did he pray? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What have these people done to Jesus? What were these people doing to Jesus? Did they spit on him? Did they hit him? Did they mock him? Did they revile him? Had they scourged him? Had they ridiculed him? Now they're killing him. They're killing him. And he prays, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What an example. 
Do we ever pray for the forgiveness of those that have wronged us? Think about that. Do we ever consider that in our prayers? That we need to pray for those that have sinned against us. Maybe have spit in our face. Maybe have cursed us out. Maybe have hurt us very deeply. Maybe they have spoken words that are like the piercings of a sword. Do we ever pray for them? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. What about Stephen in Acts chapter 7? He preached a powerful sermon, didn't he? I mean, it was straightforward and it was to the point. And those Jews didn't like it. 59 says, And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Look at that heart of forgiveness that this great man possessed even toward those that were stoning him to death. Paul emphasized forgiveness to the brethren at Ephesus and Colossae. Listen first of all to him in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32, and what great advice this is. This is extremely important for every member of the church. This is extremely important if we are going to have a great congregation, we must be people who have the right kind of hearts. We must be people who have a heart of forgiveness. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, Forgiving one another even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. In Colossians 3, we have basically the same thing beginning with verse 12. Put on therefore as the elect of God holding beloved a heart of compassion. You remember the Lord a while ago in our parable in Matthew 18? When that man that owed him 10,000 talents pleased, pleaded with him, we're told that he was moved with compassion. The Lord has a heart of compassion. And that produces forgiveness. And many of the great characteristics that God wants us to possess. A heart of compassion. Kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. When people quarrel and fuss and fight in the church, it makes the congregation everything but a great congregation. It tears it apart and so much discord is sown that it's very difficult for a congregation to ever get over it. 
You remember the abominations, the seven in Proverbs 6? You, do you remember that he that soweth discord among brethren is one of them? Oh, this unforgiving attitude, this unforgiving heart does so much harm to congregations of God's people. We can plainly see these important facts about forgiveness. And in seeing these important facts about forgiveness, we all need to make sure that we have a heart of forgiveness. Because a heart of forgiveness produces great congregations of God's people. Now I want us to turn to some practical helps on forgiveness. Some things that we need to be conscientious about on a daily basis to help us to make sure that we don't participate in this process of unforgiveness and everything that goes along with it. So what are some practical helps on forgiveness? Here's our first one. Do not keep a record of wrongs done to you. Did you know that I've actually known a brethren that did that? I have known a brethren who had a notebook and every time someone mistreated them, did something that they didn't like, they wrote it down, they kept it, and they looked for opportunities to use that against that person. There's some old wording on the characteristics of love in 1 Corinthians 13 from the King James Version. The last statement in verse 5 of 1 Corinthians 13 says, Thinketh no evil. You know what that statement actually means? Thinketh no evil. It means that you do not take account of wrongs done to you. That's not the emphasis of your life. Every time someone does you wrong, you don't write that down in your mind. Or on a piece of paper. And hold it against that person. And look for opportunities to get back at that person. You do not take account of wrong done to you. When you genuinely love other people. So. That's where we need to start. When we look at practical helps on forgiveness. Do not keep a record of wrongs done to you. Here's another one. Love unconditionally. That means that no matter what someone does, you're still going to love them. That doesn't mean you have to like what they have done. But what it does mean that you continue to love their souls, you continue to do good toward them. You look for opportunities to do good toward them and to change their attitudes toward you. But you love unconditionally. Your love is not based on the actions of other people. That's what it means to love unconditionally. And that's the way Christians love. That's the way Jesus loved. You're going to have a miserable life 
If you go around just loving the people who say and do the things that you like, there's always going to be someone that's going to speak evil at you. There's going to be someone to tell lies about you. There's going to be someone to hurt your family, your children, your grandchildren. There's going to be somebody that will dislike you. And look at ways to make uh, look for ways to make you look bad. The greatest man that ever walked the face of this earth, who was sinless, who had no faults whatsoever. There were many, many people that disliked him, right? And there were many, many people that did him wrong. And he just kept loving them unconditionally. You remember in Matthew 26. When Judas came to him to betray him with a kiss, you remember what Jesus or said to him, or how Jesus addressed Judas. He said, Friend. Friend, wherefore art thou come? Look at that attitude. Look at that heart of compassion. Look at that unconditional love. Even for Judas, his great betrayer. In 1 Peter 4 and verse 10, Peter said, And above all things. Now that gets it, does it? Above how many things? Above all things. How fervent love among yourselves. For love shall cover the multitude of sins. Just love unconditionally. There's another practical help on forgiveness. Here's our third one. Refuse to hold a grudge. Don't have that attitude that I know what you've done to me and one day I'm going to make you pay. Don't hold a grudge. In James 5 and verse 9, James simply said, Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest you be condemned. The purpose of our lives is to just do good. To minister. To help as many people as we possibly can. Even our enemies. Even those that may hate us. And treat us very badly. Not even persecute us. But we don't hold grudges against them. And we don't take delight in bad things happening to them. We just keep doing good. And hopefully they'll change because of it. Here's another practical help on forgiveness. Do not speak evil of other people. Oh, that's an easy thing to do. I suppose all of us would have to say, yes, sometimes I speak evil of others. This is an area that we can really, really work on and make improvement. You know, my mama used to say, if you don't have anything good to say about another person, just don't say anything. You ever heard that before? That's some pretty good advice. 
But oh, it's hard to bite that old tongue, isn't it? It's hard to keep from saying something bad about a person that's not your friend. A person that's hurt you. A person that's done some bad things to you. It's really hard. But that shows our maturity. That shows that we're becoming more and more like Christ when we refuse to speak evil of other people, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done. And this passage in James 4 and verse 11 says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. And so if you can't say something good about another person, just don't say anything. Do your very best to imitate the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And here's the fifth one. Practical helps on forgiveness. Keep doing good to everyone. Even your enemies. You know, I can't dictate what other people do. I can't dictate what they say to me, what they do to me. But you know there's one thing that's for certain. I can dictate what I say and do to others. I'm in control of that. And the purpose of my life should be to keep doing good to everyone. Even my enemies. You know there's a phrase in Acts 10 and verse 38 about Jesus that's such a great rule for everybody to live by in their lives who went about doing good. What did Jesus do with his life? He went about doing good. Didn't matter who it was. He loved everyone and he went about doing good. He did good even to his enemies. Even prayed for his enemies. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And many of those people were forgiven beginning in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost when about 3,000 of those Jews repented and were baptized for the forgiveness of their sins. In Romans 12, beginning with verse 19, Paul talked about this point. We've heard this passage many, many times. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Just leave everything in God's hands. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Years ago, I had a man in the church that got really mad at me. I'm talking about really mad at me. He got mad at me to the point that he threatened me physically. He was furious at me. 
Well, not very long after that, first of all, he quit the church. And then not very long after that, he became ill and he had to go in the hospital. And you know, I had a little prayer meeting with myself. I really did. And I said, Kim, what are you going to do? I said, are you going to go to the hospital and see him and have prayer with him? Or are you just going to forget it and pretty much act like he's been acting? And I said to myself, well, the right thing to do as a Christian is to go see him in the hospital. To do good to him. Well, I never will forget that day I went to the hospital. He's lying over on the bed. He can't get up. He's too weak to be able to get up. And when, they, when I opened the door and he saw my face, he wasn't happy that I was there. But you know, I walked over to the bed and I stood there by him and I asked him how he was doing, how he was feeling. and He, you know, spoke a few words to me. And then before I left, I said, well, I want us to have a word of prayer together. And I want us to, to pray for you to get better. And so I prayed with him very sincerely and left. And you know, from that day forward, he never failed to speak to me when we would meet. Prior to that, I could walk right by him and you could just see the hate in his eyes and he would never say a word. <coughs> That's what Paul is talking about. Don't be overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Look for opportunities to change your enemy's attitudes if at all possible. Now, many times you won't have an opportunity. And there's going to be other times when it may not do any good. But that doesn't mean we don't keep trying, does it? No matter what people say to us, no matter what people do, we just continue to do good to them and not evil. These are some powerful, practical ways to help us have a heart of forgiveness. And great congregations are made up of people who have hearts of forgiveness. We must never, never forget that. God forgave David. Who was David? Was he an adulterer? Did he cause that woman's husband to be killed? God forgave David. God forgave Peter. Did Peter say, or did Peter do something he said he'd never do? He did, didn't he? He denied the Lord three times, even to the point of cursing and swearing. God forgave him, didn't he? What about Paul? Did he ever do anything that was really bad? The great persecutor of the church. Even to the point of Christians 
being put to death. God forgave him. We don't think of, of David as being the adulterer and the murderer. We think of him as being the man after God's own heart. The great king of Israel that we studied about earlier today. And all those beautiful psalms that he wrote where you can see how close his heart was to God. We don't think about Peter as being the man that denied the Lord three times to the point of cursing and swearing. We think about Peter being the man that God chose to preach that great sermon in Acts 2 to begin the church. And about 3,000 of those Jews obeying the gospel. And Peter being the main character of the first 12 chapters of the book of Acts. And we don't think about Paul as being the great persecutor of the church, having Christians put to death. We think about him as the great preacher, the great apostle, the great missionary. We think about his three missionary journeys. We think about the multitudes of people that he converted to Christ. We think about him as being maybe the greatest preacher that ever walked the face of the earth. How was this possible for David, Peter, and Paul? God forgave them. Where would they have been without God's forgiveness? And so was it important for them in their work to forgive others? You better believe it. And if we're going to be great congregations of God's people today, we need to be willing to forgive just like God has forgiven us. That's what makes a great congregation. That's the reason forgiveness is the heart of a great congregation. So today, if you're not forgiven, that's where you need to start. Maybe you need to repent and be baptized. Or maybe you just haven't been faithful. Maybe you've held grudges. Maybe you've walked out that back door. Maybe you've been unwilling to forgive. You need to change that. You need to repent of that. You need to pray to be forgiven. And you need to be a different person. Thank God for His forgiveness. And the privilege to be like Him. If you need to respond to His invitation this afternoon, please do as we stand and sing.